Section 10, Chapter 7, Part 2 of The Life and Adventures of Kit Carson. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. The Life and Adventures of Kit Carson by DeWitt C. Peters. Section 10. Chapter 7. Part 2. The inquiries which the then lieutenant instituted, or at least may be supposed to have instituted, must have been favourable, for, soon afterwards, Kit Carson was engaged by Colonel Fremont to act as guide to his first exploring expedition, at a salary of one hundred dollars per month. Upon arriving in Kansas, the party prepared for a long and dangerous journey which lay before them. The objects of this expedition was to survey the south path and take the altitude of the highest peaks of the Rocky Mountains, besides gathering all the collateral information which they could. The party had been chiefly collected in St. Louis. It consisted of twenty-two Creole and Canadian voyageurs, Mr. Charles Proust, a native of Germany, whose education rendered him a master in the art of topographical sketching, and towards whom Colonel Fremont had always extended high and just encomium. Henry Brandt, a son of Colonel J. H. Brandt of St. Louis, nineteen years of age, young Randolph Benton, a son of Colonel Benton, twelve years of age, Mr. L. Maxwell, a mountaineer engaged as the hunter of the party, and finally Kit Carson as guide, making, including the commander of the expedition, twenty-eight souls. On the tenth day of June, 1842, the party commenced their march. The daily routine usually observed on the march was as follows. At daybreak the camp was roused. The animals led out and turned loose to graze. Breakfast about six o'clock, immediately after which the line of march was resumed. At noon there was a halt of one or two hours. The march was then again resumed and kept up until within an hour or so of sunset, when the order was usually given to encamp. The tents were then pitched, horses hobbled and turned loose to graze, and the cooks prepared supper. At night all the animals were brought in and picketed, carts set for defence, and guard mounted. The party had only accomplished a few miles of the march when they fell in with the buffalo. Before we pursue the narrative of Kit Carson's life, we must redeem our promise and allow Colonel Fremont to describe his own impressions of his first buffalo hunt, in which Kit Carson and Mr. L. Maxwell were his companions and guides. Colonel Fremont says, A few miles brought us into the midst of the buffalo, swarming in immense numbers over the plains, where they had left scarcely a blade of grass standing. Mr. Pruce, who was sketching at a little distance in the rear, had at first noted them as large groves of timber. In the sight of such a mass of life, the traveller feels a strange emotion of grandeur. We had heard from a distance a dull and confused murmuring, and when we came in view of their dark masses, there was not one among us who did not feel his heart beat quicker. It was the early part of the day, when the herds are feeding, and everywhere they were in motion. 
Here and there a huge old bull was rolling in the grass, and clouds of dust rose in the air from various parts of the bands, each the scene of some obstinate fight. Indians and buffalo make the poetry and life of the prairie, and our camp was full of their exhilaration. In place of the quiet monotony of the march, relieved only by the cracking of the whip and an avant-stant enfant de garce, shouts and songs resounded from every parts of the line, and our evening camp was always the commencement of a feast, which terminated only with our departure on the following morning. At any time of the night might be seen pieces of the most delicate and choicest meat roasting on apola, on sticks around the fire and the guard were never without company. With pleasant weather, and no enemy to fear, an abundance of the most excellent meat, and no scarcity of bread or tobacco, they were enjoying the oasis of a voyageur's life. Three cows were killed today. Kit Carson had shot one, and was continuing the chase in the midst of another herd, when his horse fell headlong, but sprang up and joined the flying band. Though considerably hurt, he had the good fortune to break no bones, and Maxwell, who was mounted on a fleet hunter, captured the runaway after a hard chase. He was on the point of shooting him to avoid the loss of his bridle, a handsomely mounted Spanish one, when he found that his horse was able to come up with him. Animals are frequently lost in this way, and it is necessary to keep close watch over them in the vicinity of the buffalo, in the midst of which they scour off to the plains and are rarely retaken one of our mules took a sudden freak into his head and joined a neighboring band today as we are not in a condition to lose horses i sent several men in pursuit and remained in camp in the hope of recovering him but lost the afternoon to no purpose as we did not see him again astronomical observations placed us in longitude one hundred degrees five minutes forty seven seconds latitude forty degrees forty nine minutes fifty five seconds july the first as we were riding quietly along the bank a grand herd of buffalo some seven or eight hundred in number came crowding up from the river where they had been to drink and commenced crossing the plain slowly eating as they went the wind was favorable the coolness of the morning invited to exercise the ground was apparently good, and the distance across the prairie, two or three miles, gave us a fine opportunity to charge them before they could get among the river hills. It was too fine a prospect for a chase to be lost, and, halting for a few moments, the hunters were brought up and saddled, and Kit Carson, Maxwell, and I started together. They were now somewhat less than half a mile distant, and we rode easily along until within about three hundred yards, when a sudden agitation, a wavering in the band, and a galloping to and fro of some, which were scattered along the skirts, gave us the intimation that we were discovered. We started together at a hand gallop, riding steadily abreast of each other, and here the interest of the chase became so engrossingly intense that we were sensible to nothing else. We were now closing upon them rapidly, and the front of the mass was already in rapid motion for the hills, and in a few seconds the movement had communicated itself to the whole herd a crowd of bulls as usual brought up the rear and every now and then some of them faced about and then dashed on after the band a short distance 
and turned and looked again as if more than half inclined to stand and fight in a few moments however during which we had been quickening our pace the rout was universal and we were going over the ground like a hurricane when at about thirty yards we gave the usual shout the hunter's battle cry and broke into the herd we entered on the side the mass giving way in every direction in their heedless course many of the bulls less active and less fleet than the cows paying no attention to the ground and occupied solely with the hunter were precipitated to the earth with great force rolling over and over with the violence of the shock and hardly distinguishable in the dust we separated on entering each singling out his game my horse was a trained hunter famous in the west under the name of provo and with his eyes flashing and the foam flying from his mouth sprang on after the cow like a tiger in a few moments he brought me alongside of her and rising in the stirrups i fired at the distance of a yard the ball entering at the termination of the long hair and passing near the heart she fell headlong at the report of the gun and checking my horse i looked around for my companions at a little distance kit was on the ground engaged in tying his horse to the horns of a cow which he was preparing to cut up among the scattered bands at some distance below i caught a glimpse of maxwell and while i was looking a light wreath of white smoke curled away from his gun from which i was too far to hear the report nearer and between me and the hills towards which they were directing their course was the body of the herd and giving my horse the rein we dashed after them a thick cloud of dust hung upon the rear which filled my mouth and eyes and nearly smothered me in the midst of this i could see nothing and the buffalo were not distinguishable until within thirty feet they crowded together more densely still as i came upon them and rushed along in such a compact body that i could not obtain an entrance the horse almost leaping upon them in a few moments the mass divided to the right and left the horns clattering with a noise heard above everything else and my horse started into the opening five or six bulls charged on us as we dashed along the line but were left far behind and singling out a cow i gave her my fire but struck too high she gave a tremendous leap and scoured on swifter than before i reined up my horse and the band swept on like a torrent and left the place quiet and clear our chase had led us into dangerous ground a prairie dog village so thickly settled that there were three or four holes in every twenty yards square occupied the whole bottom for nearly two miles in length looking around i saw only one of the hunters nearly out of sight and the long dark line of our caravan crawling along three or four miles distant the trail which the party left behind them now forms the emigrant road to california via fort laramie salt lake etc on reaching fort laramie fremont found a fearful state of affairs existing among the sioux indians through whose country his route lay an encounter had recently taken place between a war party belonging to the sioux nation and a party of trappers and snake indians in the fight the indians had been worsted and several of their braves killed to revenge themselves the sioux chieftains had collected their warriors and 
while the nation was encamped to the number of one thousand lodges they had gone forth to seek and punish their enemies at fort laramie the exploring party met several trappers and friendly indians who used their utmost endeavors to dissuade colonel fremont from venturing into such inevitable danger there was but one opinion expressed viz that as sure as he entered upon the journey the entire party would be massacred to all these admonitions and warnings colonel fremont had but one reply his government had directed him to perform a certain duty the obstacles which stood in his way it was his duty to use every means at his command to surmount therefore in obedience to his instructions he was determined to continue his march finally he said that he would accomplish the object or die in the attempt being quite sure that if the expedition failed by being cut to pieces a terrible retribution would be in store for the perpetrators of the act kit carson his guide openly avowed that the future looked dark and gloomy but he was delighted to hear this expression from his commander he now felt that he had a man after his own heart to depend on and should danger or inevitable death be in store for them he was ready and willing to face either with him in order to be prepared for the worst kit carson felt it his duty considering the dangers apprehended to make his will thereby showing that if he had to fight he was ready to count it his last battle colonel fremont resumed his journey and very opportunely arrived at the south pass of the rocky mountains without in any way being annoyed with indians not even meeting any on the route he had now reached the field where his chief labors were to commence without loss of time he set earnestly about his work making and recording such observations as he deemed to be essential and examining and exploring the country having finished this part of his labors the ascent of the highest peak of the mountains was commenced the length of the journey had jaded the animals it was very difficult to procure game the men had undergone such severe hardships that their spirits had become almost worn out the daily fare now was dried buffalo meat this was about the consistency of a pine stick and in taste resembled a piece of dried bark besides these rather uncomfortable prospects the expedition stood in constant fear of an attack by the indians it was now in the country of the blackfeet and only a short distance from the encampment at the foot of the mountain there was one of their forts in the face of all these obstacles sufficiently formidable to have deterred most commanders the mountain party was detailed being fourteen in number including fremont a man named bernier was left in command of the camp which had been made by felling forest trees in a space about forty feet in diameter using the trunks to form a breastwork the camp was thus concealed by the trees and their foliage it was well calculated for defense and a few determined men could have maintained it against almost any indian force on the twelfth day of august the mountain party left the camp it was fifteen in number on the fourteenth of august some of the party reached an elevation at which the barometer stood nineteen point four zero one on the fifteenth some of the party were sent back Kit Carson had command of this party. The remainder consisted of Colonel Fremont, Mr. Pruce, Basil Lajeunesse, Clement Lambert, Jeunesse, and Descoteaux. 
the day previous kit carson had alone climbed one of the highest peaks of the main ridge from which he had a full view of the highest peak which rose about eight or ten hundred feet above him the arduous labors of the 14th of August had determined the commander to ascend no higher Instead of carrying out this intention after Kit Carson with his party had set out Fremont had made one more effort to climb the highest peak and succeeded His own words in describing this ascent are as follows At intervals we reached places where a number of springs gushed from the rocks and about 1800 feet above the lakes came to the snow line from this point our progress was uninterrupted climbing Hitherto I had worn a pair of thick moccasins with soles of parflesh But here I put on a light thin pair which I had brought for the purpose as now the use of our toes became necessary to a further advance I availed myself of a sort of comb of the mountain Which stood against the wall like a buttress and which the wind and the solar radiation joined to the steepness of the smooth rock had kept almost entirely free from snow up this i made my way rapidly our cautious method of advancing in the outset had spared my strength and with a slight disposition to headache i felt no remains of yesterday's illness in a few minutes we reached a point where the buttress was overhanging and there was no other way of surmounting the difficulty than by passing around one side of it which was the face of a vertical precipice of several hundred feet Parflesh is the name given to buffalo hide The Indian women prepare it by scraping and drying it is exceedingly tough and hard and receives its name from the circumstance that it cannot be pierced by arrows or spears The entire dress of Fremont and his party on their ascent to the top of America Consisted of a blue flannel shirt free and open at the neck the collar turning down over a black silk handkerchief tied loosely Blue cloth pantaloons a slouch broad-brimmed hat and moccasins as above described It was well adapted to climbing quite light and at the same time warm and every way comfortable Putting hands and feet in the crevices between the blocks I succeeded in getting over it and when I reached the top found my companions in a small valley below Descending to them we continued climbing and in a short time reached the crest I Sprang upon the summit and another step would have precipitated me into an immense snowfield 500 feet below To the edge of this field was a sheer icy precipice and then with a gradual fall the field sloped off for about a mile until it struck the foot of another lower ridge I stood on a narrow crest about three feet in width with an inclination of about 20 degrees north 51 degrees east As soon as I had gratified the first feelings of curiosity I descended and each man ascended in his turn For I would only allow one at a time to mount the unstable and precarious slab Which it seemed a breath would hurl into the abyss below we mounted the barometer in the snow of the summit and fixing a ramrod in a crevice unfurled the national flag to wave in the breeze where never flag waved before during our morning's ascent we met no sign of animal life except a small bird having the appearance of a sparrow a stillness the most profound and a terrible solitude forced themselves constantly on the mind 
as the great features of the place here on the summit where the stillness was absolute unbroken by any sound and the solitude complete we thought ourselves beyond the region of animated life but while we were sitting on the rock a solitary bee bombus terrestris the bumblebee came winging his flight from the eastern valley and lit on the knee of one of the men around us the whole scene had one main striking feature which was that of terrible convulsion parallel to its length the ridge was split into chasms and fissures between which rose the thin lofty walls terminated with slender minarets and columns which are correctly represented in the view from the camp on island lake according to the barometer the little crest of the wall on which we stood was three thousand five hundred and seventy five feet above that place and two thousand seven hundred and eighty above the little lakes at the bottom immediately at our feet our camp at the two hills an astronomical station bore south three degrees east which with a bearing afterward obtained from a fixed position enabled us to locate the peak the bearing of the trois tetons was north fifty degrees west and the direction of the central ridge of the wind river mountains south thirty nine degrees east the summit rock was nice succeeded by sienitic nice sienite and feldspar succeeded in our descent to the snow line where we found a feldspathic granite i had remarked that the noise produced by the explosion of our pistols had the usual degree of loudness but was not in the least prolonged expiring almost instantaneously having now made what observations our means afforded we proceeded to descend we had accomplished an object of laudable ambition and beyond the strict order of our instructions we had climbed the loftiest peak of the rocky mountains and looked down upon the snow a thousand feet below and standing where never human foot had stood before felt the exultation of first explorers it was about two o'clock when we left the summit and when we reached the bottom the sun had already sunk behind the wall and the day was drawing to a close it would have been pleasant to have lingered here and on the summit longer but we hurried away as rapidly as the ground would permit for it was an object to regain our party as soon as possible not knowing what accident the next hour might bring forth this peak was found by barometrical observation to be thirteen thousand five hundred and seventy feet above the waters of the gulf of mexico it bears the name of the great explorer being called fremont's peak the return trip was now commenced all of the objects of the expedition having been successfully accomplished the party again reached fort laramie in the month of september eighteen forty two kit carson had served in the double capacity as a hunter and guide it is sufficient to say of the manner in which he performed his duty that he won the friendship of john c fremont and has ever occupied since then a prominent and permanent place in his esteem at laramie kit carson's labors were done there he bid his commander good-bye and set out for new mexico fremont returned to the united states in safety thus terminated the first of his great explorations kit carson's indian wife had long since been dead in the month of february eighteen forty three he married a mexican lady by the name of senora josefa jaramilla of this lady it is sufficient to say that for her many virtues and personal beauty she is justly esteemed 
by a large circle of acquaintance by this wife kit carson has three children to whom he is devotedly attached in the following april kit carson was employed as hunter to accompany bent and st vrain's train of wagons while on their journey to the united states on arriving at walnut creek which is about two-thirds of the distance across the plains from santa fe kit and his companions came upon the encampment of captain cook belonging to the united states army who was in command of four companies of united states dragoons captain cook informed carson's party that in his rear was traveling a train of wagons belonging to general amijo a wealthy mexican for the purpose of ensuring protection to this richly freighted caravan while passing through an indian country the mexican wagon master in charge had hired one hundred men there were rumors currently reported at that time and believed that a large body of texians were waiting on the road to plunder and murder this wagon party and thus retaliate the treatment armijo had been guilty of in the case of the famous muir prisoners but in order that this should not happen in territory belonging to the united states the war department had ordered captain cook and the dragoons to guard the property as far as the fording of the arkansas river which was then the boundary line between the two countries the mexicans had become alarmed for fear they might be attacked on parting with the united states soldiers so on meeting with kit carson who was well known to them they offered three hundred dollars if he would carry a letter to armijo who was then governor of new mexico and lived in santa fe this letter apprised the general of the danger to which his men and property were exposed and asked for assistance to be immediately sent to them carson accepted the offer and in company with owens another mountaineer he set out on his express ride in the course of a few days he reached bent's fort where his companion concluded not to go on with him at the fort kit carson was informed that the utah indians then hostile were scattered along his intended route he was not however turned from his duty by this danger but he resumed his journey immediately at this last named place his friend mr bent kindly furnished him with a fleet and magnificent horse which he led so that should he find himself in peril he might mount this fresh animal and make his escape by watching for signs and being continually on the alert kit carson discovered the indians and their village without exposing his own person to view he immediately secreted himself in an out-of-the-way place and remained until the coming on of darkness when he passed safely by the camp of the savages in the course of a few days he reached taos and handed his dispatch to the alcalde of the town to be forwarded to santa fe as had been previously agreed upon he waited here for an answer with which he was to return at taos carson was informed that armijo had already sent one hundred mexican soldiers to seek his caravan and that the general himself in command of six hundred more was soon to follow after it was afterwards learned that this unfortunate band of one hundred men went as far as the arkansas river but could not find any traces of the train of wagons it not having completed that much of its journey therefore they commenced to retrace their steps but had proceeded only a few miles when they were suddenly attacked by the texians who succeeded in massacring all but one man 
this survivor had succeeded in catching in the heat of the battle a fully equipped texian horse which was loose mounting him he made off in the direction of santa fe and at cold springs came upon the camp of armijo to whom he reported proceedings the narration of this sad story so dampened the courage of the general and his men as to cause them to make a precipitous retreat the spot where this slaughter took place has since gone by the name of battleground and many are the bleached human bones that are still to be found there it was during carson's stay of four days in taos that armijo and his small army had started out in quest of the enemy but before his departure he had received the letter and directed an answer to be sent thinking perhaps that kit carson might reach the train even if he himself did not on the answer coming into carson's hands he selected a mexican boy to accompany him and was quickly on the road again they had left taos two days journey behind them and had reached the river trinchera for they were traveling via sanguero del cristo pass and bent's fort when they unexpectedly met four indian warriors kit carson immediately recognized them as hostile utahs and yet the red men were some distance off and while kit and his companions stood meditating what was best to be done the latter spoke and said to the former i am a boy and perhaps the indians will spare my life at any rate yours is much more valuable than mine therefore mount the horse you were leading without delay and make your escape carson at first thought this advice to be good and was about acting on it when it struck his equally generous heart how cowardly such a course would be to desert a youth who had in the hour of peril so manfully borne himself turning to the boy he thanked him and added that he could not and would not desert him he said we must stand our ground together and if we have to die let us take with us each his warrior while this colloquy was going on the foremost of the indians came up he approached carson with an air of a man sure of an easy victory and with a bland smile proffered one hand in friendship while with the other he grasped kit's rifle a powerful blow from the fist of the latter released the hold and instantly laid him sprawling upon the ground the other indians seeing the fate of their companion hastened to his rescue when they reached talking distance kit standing with his rifle brought to his shoulder informed them that upon the first hostile demonstration they made he and his companion would fire the indians commenced shaking their priming into the pans of their flintlock guns and while doing so talked aloud and threatened to perform a great many things this was a mere ruse to intimidate kit and his companion and throw them off their guard it was however well understood and operated to make them only the more vigilant this endeavor to draw off kit's attention was continued in various ways but finally seeing the determined posture of their opponent they grew weary of the game and at last departed the journey was now resumed after five days of hard traveling kit and his companion entered bent's fort without further molestation here kit carson learned that the texians had been caught by captain cook and his dragoons in the united states territory and had been disarmed this had immediately relieved the conductors of the train from all anxiety 
they had consequently continued their route not thinking a stop at bent's fort necessary as had been anticipated general armijo's letter of instruction was accordingly left by carson with mr bent who promised to forward it to santa fe by the first favorable opportunity to pursue and overtake the wagons would be nothing but labor thrown away all danger had disappeared End of section 10 chapter 7 part 2